I, I guess if I would title this, and I hope I make a point that uh, grace is not fair. Grace is not fair. As we look at Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 8 and 9, it says these words, For by grace are you saved. For by grace are you saved. Let me say this to kind of set up why I entitled that grace ain't fair. I've noticed this week that our president has, has a list where somebody has combined 3,000 names of people that have been in prison, maybe unjustly, and they're looking at 3,000 people to pardon them. And one of them happened to be just an everyday person like you and I, a lady by the name of Alice, and some of them is going to be some stars and, and whatever, you know, maybe some players or something. He's even said to the, to the players that won't stand for the national anthem, like if you'll tell me somebody that you know that's been treated unfairly, I will look at it and they've been treated unfairly. We've got a committee and we're going to let them go. That's called a pardon. Well, that don't mean much to you unless it was somebody in your family that had been done wrong and maybe they was looking at letting them go. But you know the laws we had before grace came along, we had the law. And the law was there and it was to stay there. And the law wouldn't be broken. That's the way it had to be. Didn't have the blood that was shed on the cross for us yet. We didn't have a Jesus that stepped up to the plate and said, I want to pay all the debt. I, I want all the people that's ever done any wrong. It don't even matter. Matter of fact, I want the ones that's the guilty of the guiltiest. I want to come and I want to pay a price no matter if they're a murderer or a three thief or an adulterer or just with a long tongue. It don't matter. Or just a customer. It don't matter what they are. I want to send my son so everyone in the whole wide world for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Why? To pardon our sin. Now, it was a thing called grace. I had looked up grace if I can find it, where in, in, the, in our everyday living, it's like grace is simply the eloquence or refinement of movement. Sister Pat, after she done, she'll whoop me later, but I study out my truck, and so I had put up a little sun visor there, and I was studying this morning. I, I do that every Sunday morning, just a quiet place, and, and I listen to our message from last Sunday to make sure it's clear on the radio and, and things like that. But Sister Pat done cooked. She done been over the grease, and, and she had that flowing dress on, I say, and she was just walking with eloquence. And the definition of grace is the movement or something with eloquence. That's what grace would be. But when it comes to, they said, in the religious belief, it said these words. It's, it's the belief in Christian faith. It's the free and unmerited favor of God. Well, being me from Danceville, Tennessee, you know, and done been took Brickland a half a day, I had to look up the word unmerited. That was unmerited means undeserving. What we don't deserve. Now, now, if you're lost here today, I want you to know that no matter who you see and no matter how churchy somebody may be, 
Maybe every time you go by the door, maybe you read in the paper that they've done this for the church and they this in church. They're preacher, deacon, go through all that, but just churchy folks. I want you to know that the only reason why that they got in, it was not because they deserved it. It was by grace they were saved. Now, one day when the Holy Ghost comes in you, you all know what I just said. When we look through a glass dimly, because that's all we can do right now, and when that word is, is preached right there and it is said, it don't move you too much, but when we stand before absolute holiness and he looks down because of the grace of God that he gave us and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I just want God just let me have a seat on the sideline to watch you shout that ain't never shout. David Livingston, even you gonna shout, you hear me? Oh no, you gonna do the jitterbug all over glory. I'm talking about everybody that makes it there. I'm here to tell you, you gonna be so excited. Man, you're going to say, man, I ain't a grace man. I mean, I'm a grace man. I'm not no Baptist man. I'm not no Presbyterian man. I ain't no Pentecostal man. I ain't no Methodist man. I'm by the grace of God that I was here. Oh, it ain't hit you yet. Oh, you can just see it dimly. You ain't been around it enough. You, you just don't know. You know, I remember pranking with my niece one time about Kelly Lindsay. I had horses and she was like, I, I can't remember. She was like, they ain't scared of them. I said, no, no, they're not scared of horses. I said, see what happened was when they was a baby, I took some of the manure and I mixed it just a little bit. She said, oh no, you didn't. I said, yeah, I just took it. You know, it would dry a little bit, but I mixed it in their baby food, in their Gerber baby food. And I, I would feed them just a little bit of horse manure in that so it would be in the system so they would not be scared. Of course, I was liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> but man, when we come face to face and we have a full understanding I'm telling you, when I, when I was just reading the, about the definition about that eloquence and about that type of movement, and when I got to think about Jesus as he rolled in on that donkey and they were throwing down them palm trees and, 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 and palm, them little palm branches and, and they was laying down pieces of clothing and they were saying, holy, holy, holy. Yesterday morning in our Bible study, I asked the question, you know I'm, a, I'm about shouting and carrying on. Sometimes it goes against me. But I said, really, what was the real problem with the Sadducees and Pharisees? Really, what was the real issue? The real issue, they was afraid that this Jesus, when he done went around and he was opening blind eyes and he was making the lame to walk, they really didn't want nobody worshiping him. They was afraid that he was going to get Worship. Look here. It seems to me in the church age that we're living in, in 2018, it must be some Pharisees and some Sadducees done got in the way because it seems like they don't want this Jesus worship. But as far as me and my house, we'll praise the Lord. Because he's been too good. 
Now, let me get it down to this, and I'm going to run through this, because I made up my mind this morning that I wouldn't be but five or ten minutes. I'm not going to tell the story where I got this speeding ticket at. Sometime my accelerator sticks on my truck, Brother Chad, and I, before I can get it unhung, they've stopped me. And so I had received, I was in Mary, Kentucky, and I was riding horse on my way back, and I had received a ticket for speeding. Believe it or not, I did. Believe it or not, Brother Timmy, it happened. I'm telling you, I know it blows your mind, but it happened. And so I took a day that I could go by over to this place and pay the speeding ticket. And I've told you a lot of this. So as I was going in, I didn't know that at lunchtime that they closed at this time. I was just going by to just go on and pay the speeding ticket. And when I walked by, I seen two ladies. Wasn't paying a whole lot of attention, but I noticed they was holding a little precious baby. And just then walking by, my gift of gab, I said, what a beautiful baby. Y'all ought to be arrested and spoiling that beautiful, beautiful baby. Just in walking by, Brother Sam, that's what I said. Well, when I went to grab the door before she could say, she said, listen, said, uh, I said, this lock. She said, yeah, I had no idea that that lady worked there. And I said, uh, and I, she said, can I help you? And I said, well, I come by to pay my ticket. She said, we'll be open at one o'clock. She said, but could you come by at two? Could you wait till two o'clock? I said, well, I'm real busy and I, and I cannot come back at one. She said, you can, but court starts at two. Could you please come back at two o'clock today? Well, I went back down the road, pulled off on the side of the road. What do you do for two hours? I laid back and tried to sleep. I listened to radio. I read a little bit. For two hours, I waited. I showed up in a courtroom. Seemed like I'm telling these stories all the time. But anyway, I showed up in a courtroom. And so they would call people up. They would say, how do you plead? They would tell them. And they would leave that position. They would go over to the window and they would pay the ticket. I'm watching, seemed like 30 of them at least. I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, my last name being M is one thing, but I've been sitting here a long time. I was the very last one for them to call. Everybody's gone. I'm just sitting there. Then they called my name. I walked up in front of the judge, and the judge asked me a question. She said, how do you plead? I said, guilty for sure. For sure, I'm guilty. I just way I said, oh, I'm guilty for sure. She said, can you sign this? piece of paper for me? I said, yes, ma'am. I signed a piece of paper. Sam, you know what that judge said then? The judge said, you're free to go. I looked at that window that everybody in the whole building had been going to. I looked back at this judge and I said, do I care this piece of paper? She said, I said, you're free to go. I said, okay then. That ain't fair. That ain't fair. They wasn't fair for 30 people to have to pay a ticket and for me to be gone. 
It ain't fair by the law of the land. It's not fair. Let me tell you something. There's going to come a reckoning day that we're going to stand before the Lord and the Lord's going to say, listen, I gave everybody the same route. I, I was going to let everybody go. And the Bible said what the law couldn't do, even though it was weak. God sending his son condemned sin in the flesh. Look at He made a way. He pardoned everybody. Son, when you look at it like that, honey, when you look at it like that, grace ain't fair. It ain't fair by the law that we live by. It ain't fair for God to send his son and just let them off scot-free as they're looking at 3,000 people that know that, that have been done wrongly. We deserved to go to hell. The Bible says there ain't none good. No, not one. But God sinning his only begotten son, look there, took away sin. You ain't understanding it now. But when you stand by the, before God one day and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant, and you're scratching your head like, what did I do right? I ain't never done nothing good in and of myself. I know myself, and because Jesus died on the cross for you, you're going to get pardoned. See, because of grace, he's wanting to pardon you today. I was talking to Carl and Lars, they come come in and I was humming that song, Brother Johnny, near the cross I'll watch and wait. Be, be thy glory ever. By the cross I'll just watch and wait. I, I'll cling to the cross because it was at the cross that, that our debt was paid forever. So this scripture in Ephesians says these words. It says, for by grace. I didn't know that lady. I didn't know who she was. I didn't know that judge. I didn't know who she was. You know, as I think about it, a kind word, the Bible says, turn away wrath. A kind word. Just, I, I, now I can understand it more. I mean, if you ever, I, I, I ain't got no authority over nothing, but if you ever need something out of me, me to cut a piece of crown mold for you or something, I will tell you a good way to get it on a little faster. Right before you tell me you need me to help you put up that crown mold, just tell me how beautiful my grandbaby is. <laughs> just go in to telling me that Joseph K is the prettiest little old baby that I've ever seen. When you had in your arms the other day walking down through that I've never in my life, look at, you can just about ask what you want. I'm like, I'm here, I, I, whatever you want, I, I'll do it. You know, that's really all God wanted. God sent his son to down the cross that you'd fall in love with him. That you'd go tell folks just how good he is. That's why he saved you. So as I talked to some of you this morning, he, he, he saved us. We're, we're going to a camp and thank you for all your help that you gave us and, and the money that was raised. We're going to be able to do that. We're going to a discipleship camp. That don't even make no sense. But as I looked in you's eyes this morning, and I said, let me tell you something. You already got to accept the responsibility of them little ones in the nursery. Amen. These youth, this going to be them youth. I said, I'm going to be dead and gone. All right. All right. 
Y'all going to be the one that's going to raise them youth. Y'all the ones going to teach them about Jesus. Look here, now that y'all saved, now we're going to a camp that's going to teach them how to be disciples so they can disciple somebody else to tell somebody about this glorious Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith. Through faith, through, through you believing that Jesus said that he, that he was carried to a cross, that he gave his life, that he, that he was buried, and that he arose from the grave. I want to read the last part of that verse. It said that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. It's nothing that you've done. No, none of mankind. You say, well, they were the pretty good. It don't matter how good or bad you are. Look here, one drop of blood will cover the vilest sin. One drop of blood will cover the simplest sin. It's all because Jesus loved you so much. For by grace are you saved. Saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Well, that's what I need to do. I need to get in church. I need to go to work. No, it says these words. It says, not of works. Not of works. Least any man should boast. So it's not those things. And when we, when we turn over to 2 Corinthians, I, I want to read you something in, in 2 Corinthians. I believe it was uh, uh, chapter 12. It's got to be still in the Bible. <laughs> I'm getting over here to it. I'm in a hurry. I'm trying to... Watch this. Paul, the one who wrote 13 books, at least of this New Testament. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. How many of y'all in life are like me? Everything ain't went perfect. David, you hot? I'm hot. We got air conditioning. <laughs> Everything don't go perfect. Y'all remember what Job had that had it all? He, he said, naked I came in this world, naked I'm going to leave. It ain't me and preachers can preach and turn the air conditioner up and keep going at the same time. <laughs> Listen. He, he said life was full of trouble. We, we were born, and then things just start happening. I mean, I, I'm just one. I, I just don't want to hear like, you know, I don't want to hear things like, well, now we're getting older. I don't want to give over that. When you give over that, and I was talking to uh, Brad this morning, yeah, I finally got his name right after he's come here for 89 years. But anyway, we don't want to, you, you don't give over that. The joy of the Lord. How many of y'all remember some old saints? The happiest person that was in them churches was that little old lady carrying that purse. Oh, she'd been hunkered over all her life. And when it comes time for shouting, she's going to be shouting more than anybody else. She's just going to be doing what she can. You know, she, she, just, she ain't jumping as high as she used to. But man, that joy of knowing Jesus is still there. Life is full of trouble. Paul said, I, I've had this thorn. I've had this situation in my life, so God is all the way, and we think about life, and life is just a vapor. Eternity lasts forever. If you got to live 100 years from here, the Bible said a day with the Lord. There's that mean thing that got me wet with them water balloons up there. But anyway, they told me they was going to get me, and she had a reason to. He had a thorn, and he couldn't get it to go away. Most people in life, some is worse than others, but we got a little something in life that we wish was better. That's 
we wish could get worked out. But you know it don't make any difference. It doesn't make any difference. As I was telling Brother Randy, if it's from an ingrown toenail to the worst thing could be, the only place that you're going to really find happiness and the only one that can take care of all of our situations when it really comes down to it is going to be God. And so what it is, in all of life, he's trying to draw you to this grace. He's trying to draw you. So Paul said in these words, in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it said, at least I should be exalted above measure. I could say it this way. At least I get myself to a place that I forget that one day that I'm going to leave this place. I mean, to think about going down a road and, and all it is, is just a yellow line separating you between you and death. And think about all these devices that we got. And I mean, I mean, if you meet me, I mean, I may be eating a cheeseburger, driving with my knee. You know, have my phone in a deal. I mean, I've told folks, you better be saved when you meet me in the road. But it's just a yellow line and, and, and life is fragile. Don't none of us know. You know, this morning it may be some reason or something, but really don't none of us know. But when we know Jesus, yeah. and we know to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Amen. And when that fear comes upon us that we, that we don't know how things are going to go and we don't know how... Things are going to work out as so many of y'all have been through that. And we just, and somehow or another, he just whispers peace to us. And we just cast all of our cares upon the Lord for he cares for us. Ain't that a wonderful place to be? Paul said that at least I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. For there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The one that wrote 13 books. The message of Satan to buffet me. I've always said Satan's buffet. Ain't he got a good one? Ain't he got a good one? Boy, don't he make it look good? Don't he know how to throw the glitter on it? Don't he know how to speak to the mind? As I was talking to somebody this morning, that most of our battles are in our mind. Most of the people is going to just sit down like I'm too old anymore. I can't do it anymore. Don't, don't you know? Or some fear that come upon our life or some doubt that happened. It's all started in your mind. That's the reason why. That's the reason why. It says these words and don't turn there. But in Romans chapter 12, it said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove your mind. Who was the guy, Robin Williams? He was a comedian, right? He went around everybody, everywhere. I'm sure there was people said, man, you just been in gloom and doom. And you know, me and you just need to go somewhere. It's going to be a surprise to you. And they walked into a place where Robin Williams was a comedian. And Robin Williams did what he did so good. He, he brought laughter to so many faces and they, and they left there. And I'm sure people said, man, I'm glad you carried me to see Robin Williams. I mean, it's lifted my spirit. I've laughed and I've cried more than I have in a long, long time. But inside that man, something got to his mind. And one day he got a door 
and he hung something in the door and he put it around his throat and he stepped off of something and he hung himself and went out in eternity somewhere. He was a man that was bringing laughter to a lot of people. Now, I don't know. I don't want to consider myself no comedian. But I know this. I can bring peace to you today. Through God's word, I can let you know that you can lean on God and you can trust in God. And God's grace, as he's going to say right here, that Satan, he came to buffet me, lest I should be exhausted above measure. For this thing, I besought the Lord thrice that it may depart from me. And I'm going to tell you something. Here's what the Lord said. And he said unto me, he said, my grace is sufficient for me. I mean, I, man, I wish I had a time that people could step up and say, Brother Eddie, there was a time in my life that I just didn't think I was going to make it. Man, there was a time in my life that I thought, man, I, I'm just going to throw in the towel. I, I'm just going to go in some kind of way. I mean, God didn't come and he done whispered something in my mind. And all of a sudden I had a want to to go on and to go a little further. Look there. His grace is sufficient for thee. He said, for, in, for, in, for my strength is made perfect in thy weakness. The Bible also says, when I am weak, then I am strong. When I realize that there's nothing I can do, whether it be in life or whatever, cast all your cares upon the Lord, for he cares for you. When you realize there's nothing I can do, I can't get to happiness in and of myself, but through Christ, I can get there. So my grace, he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And if we had time, we could turn over Romans chapter uh, 5 and verse 20. It said these words. I just want to share this with you. Turn over there if you want to. I, I just want, it said, moreover, the law entered. That's what happened to me over at that place. The law, it entered. I don't know what I'm doing sitting here. I just want to pay my ticket and leave. That's what you'd like to do. If there was any way that you could buy heaven, I believe today, Brother David, all of us, Brother Carl, I believe if we could buy heaven, I believe we'd go out, we'd hock whatever we got, we'd put our house up for collateral, we'd do what we want to do. If we could buy heaven, if we could buy it, look here, we would be trying to purchase it all we could because we'd, it'd be something we could do. But for us to have faith that Jesus died on a cross, that he shed his blood and he died and he arose from the grave, see that faith thing is just a little bit more. I wanted to pay the ticket. I wanted to pay the ticket. I wanted to just pay it and be on my way. But what happened was when I got in that courtroom, and I'm not the only one that's been let off. Huh? You've been let off. You was not supposed to get the job. You got, you know, you had favor with somebody. You got stepped up somewhere in life. You're not supposed to be living where you're living. I mean, look back on your life. Look where you as a teenager, my word, you never thought you was going to be driving them kind of cars. You never thought you was going to own all that. What was it? It was God's grace. Amen. Romans 5, verse 20, the last verse that I, that I think I'm going to read today, it says, moreover, the law entered. The law was there. That the offense may abound. Whatever you've done, You've got to pay for it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. But where sin abound, yours and mine, where sin abound, 
The Bible says grace did the more bound. The worse your sin got, are you hearing me? The better grace got. Every time you get better and worse and, and it was just going up and, and now you had one sin, now you got two, now you got 20, now you got 100, now you got 1,000 reasons why you can't go to heaven. The Bible says grace that was right down here that took care of that one thing. Now it's way up here a 1,000% that's taking care of a 1,000 things. I don't know about you, but that's good news to me. Grace. It's, it's a good thing. Let me just finish. It's a good thing. And it was, a, it was a sufficient in good times. In good times in life, grace was sufficient. In good times. When everything was going wonderful, it was grace in them times. You know what? In bad times in life, grace was sufficient. You know what God's wanting? He's wanting to let you know it's sufficient for your eternity in heaven. His grace is sufficient. So when we come, you see grace, grace is enough. Grave, grace saved time till today. Grace extended mercy to you. Grace gladly received you today. Why don't you come Why grace is still here? There's three things, and we're going we're gonna to try to try to stop right here, but the first thing that I want to show you is the grace of God. It's a picture of Jesus. It's extended grace. A whole lot of folks don't use this grace, Brother Mark, for me and you got here. What if grace run out, Brother Jason? What if grace didn't run out when me and you got here, when I was carrying you to youth camps way back yonder and we was in them rooms and I was telling someone, Brother Jason, the other day is, we was in Nash for that time and a security man knocked on the door and I, and I was all playing with y'all. One of the youth, I don't remember which one it was, I believe it was, uh, but believe it or not, I believe it was Brother Tim Elrod. I believe that's who it was. And, and he come off the bed and he was gonna jump toward me and I got out of the way and I was an adult. <laughs> And time rolled back and I'm just 29 again. No, I, that ain't right. But he done knocked the TV, plumb off the deal. Well, the security guard knocks on the door and I went to the door and... <laughs> Reed, I told the security guard, I said, just give me a minute. I am trying my best to straighten this bunch up in here. <laughs> and when I got off, the youth said, Brother Eddie, you're doing just as much as we done. I said, shut up. Let's straighten this place up. Grace, extended grace. Brother Jason Phillips, what if grace would run out with me and you got here? What if I told you on that youth trip way back when that was said, grace is gone. There's no more grace. Or what if I told you, well, see, you, you've done too much sin and I, there was too much. I'm going to tell you something, you, you can't go so far. You can't out sin grace. Knock yourself out. You, you can't out sin grace. You will never get to a point that grace can't reach off in the place where you at and grab you. Why? Because it's extended grace. The picture of it is when Jesus stretched out his arms. He stretched them out, Brother Mark. He said, forgive them, Lord, 
for they don't even know what they're doing. In 2018, there's going to be people walk out them doors today. They're going to walk out them doors today, and he's still going to be hanging. Extended grace. The picture of the cross and him hanging on the cross is extended grace. That's, that's what he had. And I'm going to tell you another thing. It's enduring grace. How in the world does he endure us turning him down over and over and over? How does he do that? How does he just keep on loving us when, when there was so many times, Sister Renee, that I went to church and the preacher was preaching and I said, he ain't getting me today. Just like the soldiers spit on him. If I could tell you about that, no matter if you're saved or lost, I, I could tell you, can you imagine spitting on Jesus if you was lost? You would say, well, I wouldn't want to be that man. But see, when we reject him today and we walk out these doors, that's really, he's just spitting on him. So not only it's extended grace, it's enduring grace. He endured the shame when they stripped him down naked. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have done what me and you would do. I'm walking out. I'm leaving. I don't have to take this no more. Benny Barcroft, Eddie Martin, you ain't worth it. I'm quitting. That's it. He was God. He could do exactly what he wanted to do. But Sister Martha, not only he extended grace, but he endured it. That's right. Ain't that something? Amen. That he loves somebody like me and you, as low down as me and you are, that he'd love me and you, and he'd extend this grace to these babies. Yes. Just been in this vacation Bible school, that same grace is going to be extended to them, and the Bible said it's going to be extended to all generations. Look at these folks can pop up everywhere, so I don't know. I believe there's going to come a time it won't ever be in church. I'm going to tell you one thing. The Bible said heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will endure forever. It's enduring grace. Not only it's extended grace, and not only it's enduring grace as he bled and died on the cross, he carried it willingly. I can't imagine what that soldier, Simon, was saying to him. Man, what have you done so bad? What have you done so bad? He said, well, I guess they didn't like it. I healed a man the other day. He was crippled. I shouldn't probably have been in that church house. I shouldn't have been in that synagogue. They cut a hole. I guess I made a bad mistake. They was beating him. He said, I guess I made a bad mistake, but they done let that man down through that roof. The place was crowded. Nobody could get in. They let him down right there in my presence. I just spoke it because God gave me the power. I just told him in the name of Jesus, just take up your bed and walk. I shouldn't have done that. I probably shouldn't have done that. I, 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 should, I shouldn't have done that. I, I probably shouldn't have never went to a cross. They, they didn't mind me going to a cross. They didn't mind whooping me. They didn't mind me dying. They, they didn't mind sticking a spear in my side. They, they didn't mind seeing the blood and the water run off. But I guess I made a mistake on that third morning when I got up out of that grave and I stepped out in power. Oh, he endured it. He endured it all. He endured it all because he loves you. He endured it all because he loves you. It was just one more, one more verse. It said these words. In John 1, 14, Brother Mark knew it this morning. 
And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father. And I want you to look at these words. Say it, Brother Mark. Full. Full of grace and truth. Everything else in life's a lie. Everything else in life's a lie. Jesus, I'm the way, truth, and the life. Nobody comes by me except you come. You can't get to the Father except you come by me. The third thing I want to tell you, not only, not only is this grace. What I tell you the first one was extended grace. Not only this grace is enduring grace. The last thing I want to tell you this morning is this grace. This grace. This grace. I don't care what them lying folks tell you, them other places. It's eternal grace. It's everlasting grace. One visit. One visit from your heart with a childlike faith. I ain't talking about look here after we get older. 20s, 30s. Well, I don't know. I heard the other day, see, a child don't know nothing but accept it to be the truth of the lie. The other night when I was here in vacation Bible school, you ever seen them hands go up? Listen to me tell you something. I'm sorry that somebody messed up the gospel, but it's eternal grace and it's everlasting grace. In closing, if they're going to start the invitation, I want to tell you a difference. I want to tell you how important it is. If you've messed up with your children, one of these days you're going to have grandchildren. Let me tell you something, you low down thing, you. You get your children, your grandchildren in church. You let your children see you going to church. I'm in games, and so in Spider-Man, they fall down sometimes, they get run over. One little boy, he was crying. We was trying to help him, what my Johnny. Trudy, you was there trying to help him. And he finally, he, he pulled a place here and he had a rising. And that rising was a big bump and you could tell how much pain it must be right in that elastic part of the deal. And we thought, man, he, that's what he's hurting. He said, I'm hurting. We thought maybe because he fell, he said, no, I'm hurting. And then he had a little spot on his leg. It was the same kind of rising. Sister Trudy said to him, said, you want us to pray for you? He said, he didn't know. He didn't even know. He didn't know. I heard his mother and daddy were atheists. She said, do you know Jesus loves you? He said, he didn't know. You don't think it don't make a difference? Sam, it makes a difference. Let me tell you about another little boy. And that's y'all's Jace. Am I saying it right? We're playing Spider-Man again the next night. Randy, a, a, a little fella falls down. He ain't hurt. He just ain't got his feelings hurt. 
He didn't make it to the end. They tagged him. Maybe it's grass all over him. I'm dusting him off. He's crying. You know, his feelings hurt just like me. I want to win. <laughs> I said, you're going to be okay. He's still crying. I said, you want us to pray for you? He said, yeah. So we said, okay, let's huddle up. All you kids, just, just get together. Let's huddle up. Listen to this, Christy. Is Jace here this morning? No. Watch this. <laughs> Who wants to pray? Little Jace said, I will. We said, okay. Go ahead, Jace. So the guy's holding himself like he's hurting. Jace grabs him by the hand. <laughs> How old is he? Five. Five years old, Brother Charles, he grabs him by the hand. He lays his hand on It's a wonder he didn't ask me, did I have some more? <laughs> oh, what a difference it makes. It does. It does. Amen. Both of them had the same name. What a difference. What a difference it makes when you believe and you don't believe. But you know what? The last night of Vacation Bible School, the lady that brought little Jace, the other one that didn't know nothing about Jesus, didn't know nothing about praying, she said, Brother Eddie, he's got something to tell you. And I walked right over here and he's standing right there. I said, what you got, boy? What you got? He said, Jesus loves me. <laughs> Jesus loves me. How powerful is to know that Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me, this I know. Not because Brother Eddie told me. For the Bible tells me. Look here, if you've got him in your heart and you know he's there, you can rest in it no matter what comes your way. You need to know that Jesus loves you. What are you going to do with Jesus this morning? All I'm trying to do is drag you up that cross. The little boy that was kicking the ball and he done kicked it down the sidewalk and he done got so far away from home his mother and daddy was moving there in the U-Haul truck and they had parked and he got out and he kept kicking the ball and he got way away from home and the policeman seen him on the sidewalk and he was crying and they said, son, what is it? What is it? He said, I'm lost. They said, look, we're policemen. We can get you home. Just give us your phone number, your mom and daddy. He said, I don't know the phone number. Well, give us the address where you're going to move. The little fellow said, I, I don't know the address. They said, well, just tell us some building. Just tell us some monument, anything, some big something you've seen. When you left your house, what did you see that you can help us with? We're going to get you back home. Oh, I love what that young guy said, little boy. Five-year-old boy, I guess. He said, well, he said, when I left my house, when well, mother and daddy was moving that furniture, he said, when I started kicking that ball, he said, right down the foot of the hill where I'm going to be living at is the church. And on top of that church, there's a steeple. And on top of that steeple, there's a cross. He said, if y'all just get me to that cross, I can get my way home. Ah. Ah. Oh, my. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to drag you up out of mercy this morning. It's extended to you. He endured it and it's internal. 
He wants you to come today. He wants you to get up as you all stand to your feet. He wants you to get up at your feet and say, I want a Jesus to turn on me. I want, a, I want Jesus to come in my heart and I want Jesus to save me. Lord, I ask you, Lord, as I'm standing right here, Lord, I pray.